Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Television Archive, the show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved medium. My name is Thomas Michael Clark, and this is Cosmos, Cosmos Space-Time Odyssey, and Cosmos Possible Worlds. Cosmos Space-Time Odyssey Episode 1, titled Standing Up in the Milky Way. Alright, so we're done with the Sagan era. That's over. Uh, Now we're on to the Tyson era of Cosmos. Now we're on to the two uh, Tyson shows. And, God, this is such a, this is such a perfect start. This is such a perfect debut episode for this iteration of Cosmos. So, I'm going to go on a bit of a tangent here, and I swear to God this will be brought back to Cosmos at some point. But, remember, like, way back in the day on this podcast, I think it might have been, like, season four, uh, we did a whole deep dive into Blue Planet, the David Attenborough shows. And you know how I basically said back then, and still maintain to this day, that Blue Planet 2 is basically Blue Planet, but better? I feel very similarly about this version of Cosmos in relation to the Sagan version. Uh, Cosmos of Space-Time Odyssey, I genuinely believe, is Cosmos, but better. Really like the Sagan iteration. The Sagan show is very, very good. But I think this is just a significant improvement in a lot of ways. And this episode is just a perfect showcase as to why. Uh, Before we get into the substance of this thing, let me just talk about this on a technical level. Oh my god. Visually. Holy crap. This show looks so good. Like, the effects are just so mind-blowingly incredible. It is so gorgeous and beautiful and wondrous. Like, especially when you <laughs> when you think about the fact that this, like, aired on Fox. Like, this aired on network television, and it looks honestly better than most cable shows in 2020? Or in 2021, rather? God damn it. That's the that's first time I mistaked 
2021 for 2020, and we're in February. That's a bit embarrassing. Like, it looks so breathtakingly amazing. Also, they're like little animated bits for the historical stories in this version, and the animation is so good. It's so well done. I love that art style. It is just beautiful. The score from Alan Silvestri. The score for Cosmos is so underrated. People do not talk about Alan Silvestri. That's all, folks. People do not talk about Alan Silvestri's score for Cosmos nearly as much as they should. It is amazing. It reflects the show's sense of wonder, uh, sense of beauty, uh, sense of awe-inspiring nature just so perfectly. And it's just spectacular. Honestly, like, as soon as I'm done here, I might just I might just track down a score album for that and just buy it and just have it on my phone. <laughs> I, might, I might just do that. And I might play it while I'm editing this. It's it's incredible. It it's really, really just so freaking incredible. And of course, I mean Neil deGrasse Tyson is every bit as good of a science communicator as Carl Sagan. In a lot of ways, he is this generation's Carl Sagan. It's like him and Bill Nye, like they're just the two titans. Of science entertainment. And Neil deGrasse Tyson hosts this show so well. Fills Carl Sagan's shoes instantly. uh, Immediately has that same like warm, welcoming, approachable feel. uh, And he instantly has that same sense of taking all these big, uh, often complicated scientific ideas and... Conveying them in a way that is digestible, conveying them in a way that feels easy to wrap your head around, while at the same time never feeling like you're being talked down to by him. Uh, He is just so warm and inviting in this. Like, again, he takes on that Carl Sagan role so utterly perfectly. And he's a great, great host for this. Now, getting into the substantive nature of it... Okay, let me just immediately get the obvious out of the way. This is an objectively better ship of the imagination in every possible way. Like, it just is. Like, the the original ship of the imagination was a spiky ball of death. <laughs> and it was so dumb. And it was so ridiculous. But in the present day, in the new cosmos, we have this ship... And it's, like, very sleek, very well-designed. It looks like something you'd see in a Star Wars or a Star Trek. It just looks so gorgeous and pristine. Uh, You're inside of it, and it just looks fantastic and shiny and chrome, in the words of uh, Mad Max Fury Road. (laughs) Uh, I also love the idea of, like, just having, like, an a straight-on viewport for where you are in the universe now, but then also having these things in the bottom and the top of the ships for viewing the past and the future. Like, you want to view the past? Look down. You want to view the future? Look up. 
like it's like that type of fifth dimensional sp- thinking in a three dimensional space. That fifth dimensional concept in three dimensional architecture that is so freaking cool and so awesome. And I really, really love that. But yeah, this ship of the imagination is so much better than Carl Sagan's spiky ball of death. Uh, and then, of course, like, we start off the show, and Tyson starts it off very similarly to how Carl Sagan did, taking us on this general tour of the universe. Uh, taking us through all the ins and outs of the cosmos in this broad overview. And it is every bit as well done of an intro as the originals. Uh, it is every bit as awe-inspiring and wondrous and eye-catching. As Carl Sagan's intro, uh, the one element in which I think Tyson improves on that opening tour of the universe is he puts it in the context of uh, filling out our cosmic address, uh, taking us through these various bodies of the universe and continually going outward outward and outward and outward and outward and outward and outward, showing us everything that we know. And so we see Earth. That's the first line. And then Tyson, like, takes us through the solar system. That's the second line. That's the solar system. Uh, then out further from that is the Milky Way galaxy. And he takes us through the Milky Way. And that's the third line of our cosmic address. Uh, and then beyond that, uh, the local group. The Virgo supercluster. Uh, and then finally, the observable universe. Uh, and... The idea of framing the cosmos in terms of a in terms of a cosmic address, in terms of something everyone knows. Everyone knows the concept of an address. Everyone knows uh, and can relate to that. Like I think that is the one element in which Tyson improves on this like intro tour of the universe type deal. And of course, there's a lot of really, really great information. Uh, if you watch the 80s show, you might view that as a recap. <laughs> uh, but for many people, it's just going to be like an overview of what's to come. It can be viewed either way. It's fine. And then from there, we get the story of this guy uh, from 16th century Italy named Bruno. Who... Took the Copernican ideas of the we are not the center of the universe, we move around the sun, blah, 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 and imagined taking it a step for, further. Imagined, like, well, if we move around the sun, I think, I think the universe is possibly infinite and that. Uh, the stars are other suns, and there are other Earth-like worlds in the universe, and blah, 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 blah. Like, I think, I think the universe is much bigger than we perceive it to be, uh, and all of that. And he kept, like, going all throughout Europe, spouting these ideas, uh, trying to tell the world, I have had this vision, this is what the universe is, yada, 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 yada. Uh, and people constantly rejecting it, like, no, no new ideas, none, no freedom of thought, no, this, this goes against, uh, what we know to be true, quote-unquote, asterisks, whatever, 
Uh, this goes against what we believe to be true. No, 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 no. And he constantly getting ridiculed and constantly getting expelled and excommunicated from various churches and uh, places and all that. And then eventually he goes back to Italy and immediately gets caught by the Inquisition and arrested and interrogated and constantly asked to recant and constantly asked to go back on uh, his claims and he refuses to do so, refuses to do so, refuses to do so. Uh, and eventually he is sentenced to death and burned alive. Fun! Uh, <laughs> and he tells this story and just like Sagan does whenever he tells the story of prominent figures... Uh, throughout the ages of science, he makes it compelling. He makes it engaging. He doesn't just, uh, he doesn't just boil it down to a list of accomplishments. He actually gives, like, here's what he did at this moment, and this was the motivation for it, and this was his arc as a human being throughout the entire thing, and, uh, here's why he got so invested in uh, trying to examine this concept, and here's why he was so devoted to science. Like, Tyson, uh, does that same thing that Carl Sagan did very, 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 very well. Uh, what's also very interesting about the segment is they tell this story, and then Tyson's like, yeah, but this dude wasn't a scientist. Let me be clear, this, this dude was not a scientific mind. He was correct, but it eventually boiled down to a lucky guess. I did not silence my phone, and I'm an asshole, and I'm an idiot. Uh, basically, his correct assumption boiled down to a lucky guess. And really what he did was just kind of point other actual scientists uh, to look in the right direction. And if only to disprove him, and then they found that he was... Broken clock right twice a day. Right. And I just find it so fascinating. And I love that they put this in. That there can be no science without ideas. There cannot be science without radical claims. Because until you have those claims, until you have those insane theories... You don't know what the hell you're researching. You don't know what you're challenging. You don't know what you're questioning. Like, you need that compass. You need that needle. And Bruno was that compass. Bruno, Bruno was that needle pointing Galileo and others, like, sort of in the right direction and going, huh, guess that crazy guy was right. Uh, <laughs> Like, it's just such a fascinating story, and I love they put it in, of just, like, let's just spend our first episode going to the very, 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 very root of science. Ideas. Radical. Insane. Ideas that just have to be tested, if only to be disproven. And sometimes those radical, insane, ridiculous ridiculous ideas turn out to be freaking right. They turn out to be nonsensically the truth. And I, I, I love that he put that in here. And then, oh boy, 
boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, we get Tyson's version of the Cosmic Calendar. And I'm not going to spend too much time on this because we've talked about the Cosmic Calendar in depth, the idea of the Cosmic Calendar in depth with the Sagan version, but suffice it to say, Tyson does it well. Tyson does that idea justice, the compressing of all known history, the entire history of the universe into a single day, and he takes us through all the important days of that cosmic year, uh, and, like, shows how all of human history on that year scale happened in, like, the last, in the last seconds of the last day of the year, uh, and does that very, very well, absolutely kind of puts us in our place in the vastness of time, uh, he does that very, very well. I also love his inclusion of, like, at one point, an asteroid got nudged slightly to the left. Like, an inch to the left. And then, many, 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 many years later, that's the asteroid that killed the dinosaurs and allowed mammals to rise from the ashes and take control of the world! Like... It's just fascinating, those, like, little things, where if things were just a tiny different, if that asteroid didn't get knocked uh, aside by that one inch, we could be living in a world of dinos right now. Like, it's just fascinating. Absolutely freaking fascinating. But he does that cosmic calendar bit very, very well. He does it in an extremely amazing way. And then we end off very beautifully with a fantastic tribute to Carl Sagan. And Neil deGrasse Tyson, like, lists off all the things that Carl Sagan did in his life, all the contributions he made to science, all the things he did, which, God, that man was a legend. That man was an absolute legend, and uh, I will be in awe of him forever. And then he told his own personal story of Carl Sagan. Uh, about how, when Neil deGrasse Tyson was a kid, Carl Sagan took a day to meet him. To uh, take him to Ithaca and... Show him around there and show him around his facilities there and just, like, spend the day with this aspiring scientist. And then, at the end of the day, after it was all done, uh, Carl Sagan autographed a book for him, inscribed a book for him. And then, when Sagan dropped Tyson off at the bus station, snow was coming down hard. Uh, he was waiting for the bus, and Carl Sagan, like, just gave Tyson his home phone number and said, Hey, if the bus can't get through, call me. And you can stay at my house with my family. And it's just this beautiful moment of just, like, this is a true passing of the torch. Like, this is truly a connective tissue being made between the original cosmos and a cosmos of space-time odyssey. And immediately, like, fans of the original know, 
This is not just some guy. This is not just some rando coming in and sticking his fingers in our Cosmos legacy. He has a reason to be there. He has a connection to Sagan. It had to be him doing this series. And I love that. I love that they put in that connective tissue. And I love that they put in that tribute to Carl Sagan. I love that. That that, that was just such a great way to end this episode. And then with that tribute out of the way, onward to new adventures in science! And then the episode's over. Uh, I cannot wait to dive into more Space Time Odyssey. Space Time Odyssey, it's great. It's so, so, so freaking great. I cannot stress it enough. Absolutely, like, this is going to be a great discussion. This is going to be a really, really good discussion. If you like this, favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archives, so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as I go through every single episode of this and other shows, and you can find it on pretty much whatever podcatcher app you prefer. Feel free to call in. As well, it's simple as just push my button on the Anchor app. I'll play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd, TomTom4468, and support the show. Patreon.com slash ThomasClark, pledge just a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. If you become a patron, you can also get access to the Television Archive Supplemental, which I'll be putting up there once every month. Or, if that doesn't work for you, you can also support the show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Uh, Tomorrow we will be discussing Cosmos, the Space-Time Odyssey, Episode 2. Talk to you then.